Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is The Art of Awesome, episode number 111. So we like walk down to get in our boats and I'm like so scared. I'm tightening my life jacket and I like tighten my life jacket so tight I break the buckle on it. And so I'm like, Carson, I need you to tie my life jacket. So he like ties my life jacket up and I'm like trying to get it together. So I'm like hitting my head. Like, come on, you got this. You can do this. You're not scared. You got this. Like literally just banging my head against the rock. And I was like, finally, I was like, all right, like I'm ready. My life jacket's tied. I've banged my head against this rock enough. I get in my boat and uh, Carson's getting his boat and he's not even in the water yet. And I'm just like, good lines, Carson. I don't even look back. I just paddle out into the rapid alone. <laughs> And uh, I go through the first wave and I go up left and I'm like, okay, I'm good. And I hit the second one, kind of get rejected. And I go into the third wave and mystery move and just like pop up upright. And in retrospect, I think I had enough time to make it right. But in my mind, I was like, game on. I'm poofing this hole. Like that's all there is to it. I'm not going to do what Dane just did. And I like paddle really hard at the hole and poof and like clear the hole and skip out and then like flip up real quick. And I was like, I was like, this is the best moment of my entire life. I just poofed a hole that Dame Jackson just swam out of. I'm a hero right now. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about. Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to The Art of Awesome. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome Today is Monday, and as always, we've got a deep dive interview. If you guys have been following along the show, you know that Mondays we do long format deep dive interviews. As Fridays, we kind of do shorter format, like tip of the day, thought of the day um, podcasts. But yeah, today's Monday, and I had the pleasure to talk with just a great friend of mine and a phenomenal paddler, Johnny Chase. Uh, I mentioned early on in the show that one of the best ways to describe Johnny is he is your favorite kayaker's favorite kayaker. He's uh, Johnny's just an amazing individual. Uh, he's honestly just one of the funniest guys and has some incredible stories from paddling as well as just some really inspiring stories. Talks about uh, pushing through some severe injuries that have been going on this past year, as well as we go deep dive into his honey badger of the year. Um, I guess submission being that he didn't win the award, but we all know he probably should have. But either way, we talk about an amazing honey badger moment from Johnny and just a ton of fun. I think you guys are truly going to enjoy this podcast as it was just a really fun conversation. And again, Johnny just shares so much um, inspiration and humor and a whole lot of nuggets of gold. So let's wait no longer and jump right into it. Here is Johnny Chase. Well, first off, Johnny, thank you so very much for joining me here on the Art of Awesome podcast. Yeah, Nick, I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, this is awesome. A long time coming. We uh, we got to 
you know, share a room this summer while we were teaching at the Kelly's Whitewater um, camp or course or whatever they call that up at, at in Idaho. And uh, I've been wanting to get you on the podcast for some time. So I'm stoked that we actually kind of were able to pull this all together. Um, Johnny, you're, I mean, you've got just a phenomenal story. You're a super rad dude, phenomenal kayaker. You've traveled the world now, um, both paddling, f- doing photography, uh, expeditions, all sorts of cool stuff. And you were once explained to me, I forget who, who said it, whether it was Dane or whether it was one of the Voorhees brothers or, or I'm not sure, but they quoted you as being your favorite kayakers favorite kayaker like that was how somebody explained you and I was like that's such a great way of explaining Johnny Chase um anyway I thought that was like just a great introduction for you like as a whole because everybody that I know absolutely loves and adores you and you're just such a rad dude so um yeah that that's kind of my introduction for you Johnny but First, I'd, I'd love to hear you kind of just explain a little bit of how you got into paddling and kayaking as a whole. Yeah, so it's been, I, I've been paddling since 2010. I started, I guess, like really late in the fall of 2009 at the end of the season. So not that, not crazy recent, but yeah. Not crazy recent, but yeah, it's been, it's been like 11 years now. And so um, I started out just like I had, Evan Moore has been my best friend my whole life. And he has always been kayaking since he was two. You know, he's like one of those prodigy kids. And I, he'd like tried to teach me numerous times or like talk me into doing it. And I was like, nah, dude, this is crazy. Like, there's no way I'm getting in the kayak and like being trapped upside down. And um, we ended up, I ended up in 2009 going to Fibark, uh, the Fibark Festival in Salida and meeting you and Emily and Dane, Jason Craig and everyone was like, really nice to me and Evan was competing and I was like wow this is actually like pretty awesome so I went home and I was like all right Evan like you're gonna teach me how to roll it's like time to learn I'm ready and Evan takes me out for the first day and he's like flip over and get back up and I was like right on that sounds great (laughs) and so I flip over and I like instantly start panicking and like kick my way out of the boat and don't pull the skirt and he's like what are you doing I was like what do you mean what am I doing what are you doing he's like you were underwater for two seconds. And I was like, well, Evan tried like three more times of just I'll roll you up if you can't get up. And obviously I didn't roll. Uh, so his dad actually was the one who took me out and taught me how to roll. And it took like a week before I could do it. And then I could do it all the time and started to feel really good. And that's where Evan came in and was able to actually teach me how to go down river, which was more of him saying, paddle down the middle and if you swim you can't come kayaking with me anymore <laughs> but it transitioned to me <laughs> working out really well in the long run like that's awesome pretty entertaining that explanation of learning how to get into the sport it, it doesn't surprise me in the least and it actually explains so much of just like your paddling history and and career of like oh yeah um you're just gonna get thrown into it and figure it out johnny like that it just i don't know i think that's such a perfect explanation well my first class four run i was going down and there's this like class three plus rapid called surprise and i like did a brace in a wave and Evan and my other friend Spencer were like, oh, you can brace? And I was like, yeah, I can roll. And he's like, guess we'll run all the hard lines now. And I would just flip at the top of the rapid and I would hack a bunch of rolls until it got flat and I'd roll up and we'd like high five and like keep going downstream. <laughs> Dude, that's classic. Oh my God. Yeah, and I think that was like my, 
I think my first class four run was like a month into me kayaking too. So I wasn't like, wow, I really got a hold of this thing. I was like, I have no idea what's going on out here. That's amazing. Be upside down all the time. <laughs> Dude, I, do you think that just growing up, so you, you're, you grew up in Kernville, right? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And having the Kern and Brush Creek and the cataracts and all that stuff, like, and then all the, you know, um, classic California creek boating and all the stuff that's around there. Do you think that, like, that obviously played into an effect as well of the fact that you just had, like, Evan Moore as a best friend that just kind of was like, hey, um, on week three, let's just follow me down some of the hardest stuff around. Um, but, like, where was kind of, like, the environment mixed with with kind of just... I don't know, your paddling crew. I think definitely, like, I've been, like, rafting and hiking, and I've been in the duo with Evan a couple times and, like, raced the duo down class three stuff. And so I kind of had an idea of, like, what Whitewater did and, like, how it worked. And so I was like, oh, yeah, well, like, obviously, if there's a lateral wave, I should paddle, like, teed up to it. Like, that was kind of, like, I already knew that kind of stuff. So I think that really helped, like, when I actually got into the, my boat myself and was like, oh, yeah, like, I can't just, like, go sideways into the sideways wave or I'll flip, you know? So I knew some of that kind of stuff and I was comfortable swimming in the river. I swam like all the rapids and, um, rafted all like the class four sections and stuff. So I was already like, all right, well, I know where to go. So when I started kayaking, I was like ahead of the game. I wasn't like just necessarily following Evan. I would be like, all right, well, I'm going to go down the left. And Evan was really always encouraging to be like, you need to go first. Cause if you're just following me, you're not going to learn anything. So he always like pushed me and pushed me and pushed me. And then, um, also, Eric Giddens was in Kernville, which he was a big help in learning how to kayak because he's the one who actually took us down all the runs. When we were 15, like, we couldn't drive and we couldn't do anything, and Eric would just take us on these crazy runs. <laughs> and, I don't, like, looking back, I would not have taken myself at all. So, like, good on Eric for keeping me safe out there. And um, Yeah, and I, really, like, the thing that pushed me the most is just Evan was, like, always this, like, really strong, motivated, tough person and when I was younger, I didn't have a lot of confidence and I wasn't like really gung ho about being scared. And I just like, I just remember thinking constantly like, well, if Evan's going to do this, I'm going to do this. And that had like, in my mind, we were like, we're the same level of skill, even though Evan's just like prodigy. And I was like, he's going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I can't back down. And I was like, he's not scared. I'm not scared. And so I have this, uh, my first ever highlight reel I posted, I have this like video where I'm like, oh, we're sitting above this waterfall. It's like pretty full on day. And I'm like, it sucks. Honestly, I'm really scared. Like, <laughs> but I'm just going to go. And I'd be like shaking above the drops. He's like, you know, you portage. I was like, I'm never portaging. So I think Evan just, awesome. they really pushed me to just to be the best I could be. And they were always really honest with where I was at. So it was, it was awesome. That is awesome. And obviously like it just your story it sounds like you got pushed fairly aggressively to like just excel and learn quickly um and kind of just like deal with with kind of what you've been thrown into where did safety kind of come into play for you guys because i consider you a super safe paddler i mean as we were teaching uh you and i were talking a lot about just safety and, and stuff like that and kind of you could see how being thrown into that situation it could be pretty loose as well um and i'm sure there was maybe some loose experiences but where where did kind of like learning safety and and that kind of all um come or was that just like slow and steady eventually you just learned to like be a little bit more safe or was that kind of from the get-go or kind of where did that kind of start in for you guys there was like a, a weird mix of like uh, how we were paddling. Cause Evan and I would go paddle by ourselves and we would be extremely unsafe. 
and we would just like send it as hard as we could. But Eric was always really on the safety. He was like, uh, somebody swam my first time down Cherry proper. And he was like, what are you doing? Just sitting in your boat, like body recirculated and they could have been throw bagged out because you decided to sit in an eddy where you couldn't help anybody. And I like thought about that a lot. And, you know, like every time I would look over and just like, I would see Eric in a place where if something did happen, you know, he was ready to get out of his boat and he was ready to be there somewhere to help. And he really like drilled a lot of that stuff into, into us and really made us think like, made me think at least like, I need to, I always want to be the first person to help somebody, not like the last person that's like setting downstream safety. Like, you know, I, I want to be there first and get there as quickly as possible. Cause I know when I'm pinned or I messed up, like I really appreciate when someone's like really quick on it. And so we had this like weird mixture of like me thinking about that with Eric and then like me and Evan being like, all right, let's go do this crazy thing. We just got our driver's license and we'll run the biggest drop at the highest water. Anyone's ever done it with absolutely no safety. And so it was kind of a mix between that and then uh, I had a really bad swim when I was maybe, I don't know, 17 and I was body circulated for like two, two and a half minutes and thought I was going to die. And that really brought home the let's be safe and smart out here as well. That it sounds so familiar to me because I had a very familiar, similar story where I was pretty loose um, when I was getting into the sport. Like uh, my best buddy, uh, Joel Kowalski and Raph Ortiz, the, the three of us kind of would paddle a lot together. Um, and it, once we had driver's license that I was like, oh, sweet, we can just like go do whatever. Let's just go run all this stuff that we've seen. This is like pre-social media. So it was like all the stuff you'd seen in like the kayak movies or or whatever. And Joel, I think a Google Earth had like just come out online. And so Joel was like super into Google Earth and like trying to find crazy stuff for us to go look at. Um, and then I, I also had like a super close call where I swam into a cave one time. And after that, I was like, hey, guys, maybe we should like focus on, on safety, too. Like this <laughs> being safe is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this would be a lot more fun if that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think I think, too, that that's just <clears throat> I don't know if like all young, you know, adolescents or teenagers kind of go through that same era of kind of just being like that I'm invincible phase. Um, and then eventually you get taught, you know, you're not invincible. Uh, shit happens um, and you get you get hit pretty hard. Um, so I don't know if that happens to everybody or if it just happened to like all of my friends. I'm not, I'm not sure. I feel like. If you're going to, I've always thought, like, I've always thought, like, if you kayak class five long enough, like, something bad's going to happen sooner or later, because we're not perfect. And no matter how good you are, like, you're going to be offline eventually. And so it's better to be, like, prepared for that and be like, all right, like, I'm going to mess up and all my friends are there to save me. Not I'm going to mess up and I'm alone. Yeah. So, yeah. I just did a, a podcast interview with Sam Sutton, and I totally remember when we were we were like 16, super young. And he had told me, he was like, you've never actually run class five until you've swam through a sieve. And I was like, dude, that's such a horrible, no, like, I don't want to do that at all. It sounds really bad. I don't, I don't want to run class five then. Yeah, no, for sure. I, yeah. Yeah. It's, on the other hand though, like there is some like, you know, when you're just running stuff without having any consequences in your mind, it's like, you're like missing half the battle, you know? And, Everyone should be definitely aware that if you run class five, you can swim through a set at least. Right. That is definitely, I mean, for sure that it's always a, always a possibility. Um, and then if, if, 
if you're not ready for the consequences, it's, you know, walking. I'm a, I'm a huge proponent now of like walking around things and encouraging others. Cause I don't think enough people actually encourage people to like walk thing. I hear all the time of like, Oh, you can only run it blind once or, Oh, you can only, like, just follow me. We're just going to like boof and rally and all that stuff. And, and I think that again, I don't know if it's because just a lot of young people in the sport or what, but I'm, I'm now to the age where I'm like, hey guys, maybe we should like just get out and scout. We, I actually, I just ran Bear Creek this morning because we, we got some rain and um, we got to Stairway to Heaven, which is the biggest rapid on the run. And the guys were like, Are you even going to get out and scout? And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm going to get out and scout for sure. Like I'm, <laughs> I've run it a whole bunch, but I still just want to get yeah. out and look at it. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know if it's an age thing or if it's an experience thing or what. But uh, I'm definitely a proponent of more safety than less. I was never kayaking with people, too, who I thought were way better than me. And be like, why is this person portaging when they're way better than me and I'm going to run it? And then now I'm like, yeah, I'm not if I am not think I'm going to have a really good line, I'm like, oh, I don't really need to do that today. I know I can. I can do it another day. It's fine. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So, so Johnny, I also really want to hear your, your story about – winning the Honey Badger Award uh, last year. And it, I guess maybe also explain what the Honey Badger Award is because it's a pretty unique award, but you've got a pretty crazy story regarding that. So so kind of tell us what the award is and then and then how you won it, I guess. Yeah, I want to I rephrase that. I feel a little bitter because I got third in the Honey Badger Award. Wait, you actually got third? I got third. Yeah, no, I'm pretty upset about the whole thing. So, like, the Honey Badger Award is whoever does, like, you know, Honey Badger don't give a shit. So, like, whoever does, like, the most crazy thing in a kayak that year, you're just, like, really sending it, really going for it, and, like, not caring at all. And uh, the two people that beat me, I think, uh, one was Noria and one was someone else, Galen, and they did first ascents of 100-footers. Really savage. Not going to take that away from them. Incredible. But they're, like, two of the best kayakers in the world doing what best kayakers do. And... You know, I got bit by a rattlesnake at the put into Dinky and decided to kayak the entire run and drive myself to the hospital where I spent three days in the hospital. So I feel like there's a difference in like some things that are going on there. Don't honey badgers get bit by rattlesnakes? Like, isn't that like the honey definition? Badgers, <laughs> they get like bit by snakes and they keep fighting and then they eat the snake. It is, I literally am a honey badger. Yeah. <laughs> lit- like, oh, man. I was truly disappointed in the results, but. Yeah, no. Yeah. So I just actually recently put about, about, out a blog on the Coke Tat website too about the whole ordeal. And then um, obviously I put that like short two and a half video out. Um, but we were hiking in the dinky. We had a shuttle driver. And so our shuttle driver had left after they dropped us off. And I was about two or 300 yards away from the put in uh, when I got bit. I actually didn't see that, see the snake, but I felt like a really bad sharp pain in my foot and then heard a little noise. And I was like, oh, that was weird. Like, I think I kicked a stick, you know, like I hurt really bad, but I was like, never crossed my mind like i got bit by a rattlesnake and then like after five ten minutes i was like man my foot hurts like way worse now and everyone around me was like oh man i think johnny's just kind of being a bitch right now he probably has a sticker in his shoe and i was like guys i swear this is not a, like, i do not have a sticker in my shoe it's not what's happening and uh we get down to put in and i have i take my shoe off and i have like a big i have a black spot on my foot and my whole foot has like swollen to this in like the maximum point of my shoe expanding and I was like, oh, no, I like I totally got bit by a rattlesnake. Like that is the only explanation. I'm not allergic to anything. There's no other venomous snakes in California. And it bit me through a shoe. So I was like, it has to be a rattlesnake. And Carson, he's like, 
being the safety guru he is, is like, I have my first aid swift water rescue notebook in my handbag. And he like pulls it out and he's like scrolling through, he's like rattlesnake bites, go to hospital. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> that didn't really help. And he's like, if it's really bad, you'll start puking and like want to pass out in like 10 more minutes. And I was like, okay, cool. So he sat there for like 10 more minutes. And I was like, I still feel like pretty okay. My heart rate had gone up like 120 and I like definitely had signs of shock, but um, to get like a helicopter, you know, it was going to cost me a lot of money and to hike out was our car was gone and I can't hardly, I'm having a hard time walking at this point. I'm lending really bad and then a lot of pain. So I, I didn't want to hike out wherever, whoever hasn't done dinky. It's like a two mile hike in down like an entire mountain. Like it's a really steep, hard hike in and hiking out would be impossible for me at the time. And no one's going to carry me out. And so I was like, well, let's just like go down a little ways until we can find a spot a helicopter can land because CHP helicopters are free in California. And so I was like, I know like a mile down is like a campsite a helicopter has landed before. And so we're like, yeah, let's just put in and start kayaking. And like the first mile of Dinky is like pretty stacked. And so I was like, all right, let's just like get going. So we just like started running everything and feeling really good. And I was like, my foot would not hurt when I was in the rapids, but hurt really bad when I was in the pool. So I was like, yeah, let's just keep going faster. Like getting down the rapids, this is good. Um, and by the time there was a mandatory portage a little bit above camp. And by the time we got to the portage, I'd like got out of my boat and I was like full shaking on the ground, like uncontrollably, like flushed white. And then just like in horrible pain, I could barely stand up and I'm just like freaking out. And I like, they're like, you need to calm down. I was like, it's not that simple. Like I can't just calm down. I got bit by a rattlesnake. I'm not freaking out. I got bit by a rattlesnake, you know? And so they carry my boats, boat to the end of the portage and I like they kind of helped me walk and I'm like struggling really hard to like stand on my right foot and they get me in and we run the rapid then we put in and it ended up being okay on the portage and then we run the next couple rapids and I decided like well I'm kayaking really well like let's just finish this run and like we knew all the lines was one person's first time but we like three of us knew all the lines really well and I was like I don't need to scout anything I can just sit in my boat and run through and so we ran all the way down to takeout with a couple of portages that were like absolutely horrible, like just unfathomable pain. Like there's one point where I felt like I was going to pass out every time I took a step and then I'd get back in my boat and I'd feel a little better and we'd run a rapid and I'd feel a lot better. And wow. so by the time we got to takeout, it'd been, made, it'd been probably five hours and I could not walk at all by the time we got to takeout. I couldn't put like almost any pressure on my foot. My foot is super swollen but it doesn't hurt that bad to just sit there and not do anything. Um, so we get, get to my car and I was like debating, like, do I even need to go to the hospital? Like, can I just go home? I just kind of want to just go home and like take a nap. I'm pretty tired at this point. And uh, so we're driving. I'm, I was, I had just bought my new truck. I didn't have insurance on it yet. So I really didn't want someone else to drive my truck. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to drive my truck. And Evan, you're just going to follow me. So he like follows me down the road. We get the phone service and call my, my, uh, physician and he's like you you need to go to the hospital like you can die from a snake bite and i was like oh okay so went to the hospital and i was still at this point thinking like yeah i'll be in the hospital for like 10 hours they'll send me home i'll be home later tonight for four hours and uh yeah i ended up spending three days in the hospital and then it was like two weeks until i was like kind of back to normal and uh that was consistent they said that was the lightest venom bite you could get was for all that wow so i got extremely lucky yeah wow 
That's that's wild. I love you. Such a honey badger move. Like, oh, I think I'll just drive home and take a nap. Like, I think I'll just sleep this <laughs> off. Well, I was like, I was like, I can drive. I can. I'm not in tons of pain. I was like, I'm fine. I can just go home. It's gonna get better. And I was like, thank. I was like, thank God I did not go home. The doctor was like, the venom circle hits your body and shuts down all your organs one by one. And I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> um <laughs> like less lesson learned got it when you get bit by a rattlesnake go to the hospital <laughs> damn yeah and have insurance because i was 19 hours in the yard ER and two days in the icu iccu and it was a hundred thousand dollar bill so holy cow yeah That's so luckily bad. my insurance i had a two thousand dollar deductible and my insurance paid the rest crazy <sighs> <laughs> yeah i'm glad i'm glad you had insurance johnny i mean i don't know I, yeah i don't even know how it all i don't know the full like how the entire u.s healthcare system works like whether or not you just can't pay like I, don't they still have to take you in I don't even yeah know so exactly. they would take me in and then they they would give me a big bill and you can like go to the hospital and negotiate a lower price because i think their numbers are like made up they give you ibuprofen it's like six hundred dollars and so you can like negotiate lower prices with the hospital and have a payment plan. Gotcha. But a lot of people end up in debt. Yeah. Yeah. Either way. sounds like the insurance is the way to go. Uh, Oh, it's really the way to go. Yeah. Wow. So you also, so I'm trying to remember, was this, was the Cali trip before or after you went to Pakistan? Sorry, not the Cali trip. You live in California. Uh, <laughs> that's a bad example. The the um, dinky trip with the rattlesnake was after Pakistan. Yeah, so that was spring of 2020 and Pakistan was fall of 2019. Okay. And Pakistan, you guys went and did the Indus, which um, if you guys haven't seen the movie, um, The River Runner with Scott Lindgren, get, definitely go check that out on Netflix. But that's a big part of that movie as well. I we did a, a cool interview with Scott earlier, but the Indus, tell us a little bit about the Indus. Dane kind of, I got his story from it, um, which is definitely a different version than some of the stories that you had mentioned to me this summer, because I don't know, he just tells things differently, but you guys had, it was the four of you, right? It was you, Carson, Dane, Evan. Is that yep. correct? And how That's many correct. days, how many days were you guys on the river for? Uh, we did the river in five days and I think most, most groups do it in like seven days. And we had planned on taking photos and filming and doing things like that. And so I had a huge amount of camera gear in my lap and Dane had like a drone and Carson had a camera and Evan had a camera. And then I think we shot 10 rapids in the whole hundred kilometers. (laughs) But Uh, um, yeah. (laughs) Didn't you guys finish and Evan took like 10 photos total or something crazy? No. Okay. Yeah. So, we finished the rut, we finished the trip and we're like exchanging videos. And Dane was like, I took like 400 gigs of video and Carson and I had edited already like 300 photos between the two of us. And Evan, Dane, Evan gives Dane his clips and Dane's like, oh, so is that, you have another card? He's like, no, that's it. And he's like, there's 12 clips on here. That's all I shot. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, Evan. Oh my gosh. That's classic. That's so funny. What what was the the craziest experience of the Indus? Because that was like that was one of those trips that Dane got back and was showing me footage and telling me about it. And I was like, oh man, that looks so epic. Do you think I'd like it? And he was like, ah, maybe. And I was like, well, what does that mean? Like, 
I, I think personally, the two craziest things, um, the one, the hardest thing for me and the thing that made me most scared on the river that I don't think affected everyone else has affected me, but is that they were constantly like pushing rocks over the edge, clearing the road and like, and like blowing up bombs to clear the road. So like Dane one time got like, he was 15 feet from being crushed by like a thousand pound boulder that they'd pushed off the road. And wow. then we had to like all run this rapid blind because they were like pushing rocks off the road and we were in like a bad eddy to be in. And I got surfed in a really big hole that's like backed up by a rock. Luckily I like was able to surf out really quickly, but so like the rocks being off the road made like a, just like an unpredictable, like, I don't know, like, you know, I came here, I'm really good at kayaking. I really don't want to get hit by a rock going down river. And yeah. twice we had gotten like pushed by our guides to be like, go downstream. You're good. Go downstream. And then there's someone like waving us up, up off, off the hill. And we would be like, um, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't want to go. And they're like yelling at us, go, go. And other people are like, no, no. And then like, we're getting ready to go. And like, if we would have gone when the guys said, like our guide had said, like they lit the bomb off where we would have been. And like, we all would have died. And, that, and then on another portage, they lit a bomb off while we were portaging like across the river. So I think that was, that was the most stressful for me, like in terms of like, just not kayaking wise, but just like the, where I got most stressed out in the trip. And then um, the second most stressed for me, what like was kayaking for sure. And we're sitting above this rapid three brothers, which I think is arguably one of the biggest rapids I've ever run. And we're like, all right, like it's late in the day. We really should have filmed it because it's definitely like one of the biggest rapids on the Indus. And we're like, let's run it in two teams. Like Dane and Evan will go first and me and Carson will go second. And there's this huge rock and you're like standing up on this, like a little bit out of the water, like looking down on the river. And you're like, all right, like let's watch these guys go see the line. And basically our line was to go down this ramp, punch through this huge curler, punch through another huge curler, try to get right of this wave and go all the way against the right wall, avoiding like a massive hole in the center of the river. And um, there's a rock that div like divides the right channel and this hole, but everything is pushing into this hole. And so Carson and I are like sitting there and it's, this is our last rapid of the day. We've been kayaking all day. And um, Evan drops in and like hits the first curler and gives like push left. Hits the second curler, doesn't go right at all. Hits the next wave and, like, kind of mystery moves in the wave. And we're like, oh, my God. And he just, like, paddles harder than I've ever seen anyone paddle in my life. Like, kind of rides up on the rock a little bit and then, like, teeters down the right side and makes it right. And I was like, well, yeah, that wasn't very encouraging. And then, like, Dane's going and Dane hits the first curler, hits the second curler, and then just, like, is like, oh, Dane's not making it. Hits the next curler and goes and goes into the hole and, like, disappears. And we're just like waiting and waiting and waiting. And like Carson and I are like, oh my God, like Dane's getting destroyed right now. Like he's just getting absolutely annihilated. And he was getting beat down so bad that he was in his boat getting cartwheeled, pinned to the back of his boat, like couldn't get a skirt, couldn't get a skirt, getting cartwheeled, getting cartwheeled, getting cartwheeled. Finally gets to a skirt and gets like pulled out and then gets locked into a boat by his ankles from his camera bag. So he's sitting, he's, Ankles are connected to his cockpit, getting cartwheeled, pinned to the back of the boat and can't get forward. And then finally, like, comes out and then is, like, swims and goes super deep and then, like, pops up. And, like, there's, like, a pool down below. So he's able to, like, get all the stuff to shore. But uh, Carson and I are sitting on the rocks being like, well, the best kayaker in the world just swam. And one of the other, like, top five kayakers in the world just, like, barely made it. And I was like, what do, like, what do we do now? 
And Carson and I were like, I, I don't, Carson's like, I don't really know. And I was like, I don't really know. And then we kind of looked at each other and we're like, fuck it, let's go. And so we like walked down to get in our boats. And I'm like so scared. I'm tightening my life jacket. And I like tied my life jacket so tight, I break the buckle on it. And so I'm like, Carson, I need you to tie my life jacket. So he like ties my life jacket up. And I'm like trying to get it together. So I'm like hitting my head. Like, come on, you got this. You can do this. You're not scared. You got this. Like literally just banging my head against the rock. And I was like, finally, I was like, all right, like I'm ready. My life jacket's tied. I've banged my head against this rock enough. I get in my boat and uh, Carson's getting his boat and he's not even in the water yet. And I'm just like, good lines, Carson. I don't even look back. I just paddle out into the rapid alone. <laughs> and uh, I go through the first wave and I go up left and I'm like, okay, I'm good. And I hit the second one, kind of get rejected. And I go into the third wave and mystery move and just like pop up upright. And in retrospect, I think I had enough time to make it right. But in my mind, I was like, game on i'm boofing this hole like that's all there is to it i'm not gonna do what dane just did and i like paddle really hard at the hole and boof and like clear the hole and skip out and then like flip up real quick and i was like i was like this is the best moment of my entire life i just boofed a hole that dane jackson just swam out of i'm a hero right now but that's awesome yeah yeah, that was definitely like one of the highlights that's amazing i can't even imagine There's so many things of that story that I'm like, I can't, one, I've never banged my head against a rock to like, to get excited to run a rapid. I don't know. That's not part of my repertoire, I guess. I I should try that next time, Johnny. (laughs) I did a podcast with Benny where he's, or I listened to one of his where he's talking about, I just do this breathing exercise to get, and I visualize my line and get my head in the right spot. And then at the bottom was, don't bang your head on a rock like Johnny Chase. And I was like, it was effective. It works, you know? <laughs> oh my gosh, dude, that's crazy. Yeah. And then yeah. I also, I also can't imagine being in a scenario where you're running some of the biggest white water, like literally on earth and which obviously has got to be terrifying in its own right. And then being arguably more terrified of like scouting or portaging like, man, talk about an intimidating environment. I, I, yeah, I didn't realize that was the situation for, for even just like getting out to scout and stuff like that. Like that's rowdy, dude. Yeah. You just get these really mixed signals from like the people on shore, like they're going to do a blast. They're going to clear the road and people are like, go, go, go. And then people are, someone's like, no, but like you'll have like a hundred people. And then like, you know, 90% were saying go. So we're like going to this rapid. And then they're like, our guides were like, well, we told you not to eddy out on the right. And we're like, that's not how this works. You know, like we don't get to choose all the time where we eddy out and scout. Like that was the only place to get out. And this, you know, and so it was like, it happened, only happened like three or four times, but it definitely made it really stressful for at least me. Wow. Wow. That's rowdy. Didn't you also tell me that <clears throat> the, the classic story of, of you saving Dane, cause Dane swam twice on the trip, right? Yeah, so, okay yeah so great other story is uh there's the ben stokesbury rapid right everything just goes into this like river wide massive massive ledge hole and like for me i was like this rapid is my rapid like this rapid calls to me because i'm great at plugging huge holes you know like i'm just gonna i was like i'm gonna go under it i'm gonna be fine like this is my rapid i'll go first and i like had planned this the whole trip like i'm gonna run this rapid which i think had only been run three times by like Sven, Benny, and like maybe Galen or Onyol. And um so well, didn't, like, yeah, didn't like, Ben Stokesbury run it? Isn't that why it's named after him? Yeah, no, it's Ben, it's Benny, it's Ben Mar, Benny, and Sven are the only people that have run it. And so I was like, all right, like 
this, this is it. This is for me. This rapid's for me. And so I like went up to the top and you're paddling in and there's this big curler and you, the left side of the hole is a little weaker. So you try to, I tried to go over this curler and like land in the hole and go under. And the curler was really slow. And so my boat got kind of turned sideways. I landed a little bit sideways, but I popped up way down below. And while I'm doing this, Dane is telling them, I'm going to do what Johnny did, but I'm not going to mess it up like he did because, you know, classic Dane move. And so Dane comes in and like hits this curler and then like helixes off into the main part of the hole and then just gets absolutely annihilated in the hole. And it's just getting like beat super hard. Finally, he swims. I'm laughing and he swims like straight over to this eddy that I'm setting safety in. Like all the river, pretty much all the river goes into this eddy. And he, he's like swirling around and I was like, Dane, rope. He's like, I don't need a rope. I was like, yes, you do. And I threw it at him and pulled him in. I was like, I'm never going to miss a chance to throw back you in my life. This is awesome. <laughs> like pulling him into shore with the rope. He's like, this is head down in the water is great. That's awesome. Yeah. You definitely have to take all advantage um, for, you know, the, the opportunities that Dane swims and getting him with a rope. Cause it's not, it's like pretty few and far between. So like anytime that it happens, I definitely either try to save him or most definitely make him like drink a booty beer or something like that for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And honestly, if you add Dane's swims to this, he only would have one less than me, you know, one portage, two swims, I only portage four times. We're pretty close. <laughs> that's awesome that's classic so <clears throat> johnny you also had a pretty like rowdy year last year a lot of people had a, a rowdy year last year there was like a global pandemic um and just huge uncertainty across the world but you also so so there's a global pandemic you get bit by a rattlesnake and then tell us about your climbing accident what happened there because you had a pretty wild ride with that whole experience yeah. And before I go into that, to the add to the rattlesnake bite, it was maybe like a week and a half after they said it was really bad to go to the hospital. So I was like terrified going into the hospital. They're like, don't get hurt doing something dumb in recreation. And I was like, I'm that guy now. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. So that really made it like a lot worse for me. Um, but yeah. So in September, actually, on Friday is my year anniversary on the 24th. So in three days. Um, I was planning a rock climbing, a rock climbing trip in the, we're going to do, go to the Grand Tetons and then the Wind River Range for a week each. And I had coerced my friend into flying into Boise with me and he was super stoked. And I picked him up from the airport and we did like two days of kayaking. He's like a class four plus kayaker. So I took him down. The uh, we went out to the Tetons and we met up with Eric Boomer to get some beta on the routes and just kind of like the general vibe of like all the stuff we were wanting to do. And he took us to this great little place to do a warm-up climb. And um, we climbed the route once on top rope and we went down and my partner, Scotty and I, Scotty hadn't done a lot of trad climbing. I was like, Oh, let's like, we're going to lead the route to get some practice and like just feel confident and get warmed up for our whole trip. And um, he led the first pitch and I was leading the second pitch and I was on like almost the last move and I fell. And as I was falling, I fell about 30 feet and I clipped my ankle on a ledge and just blew my ankle up. Um, when I was on the rope, I like looked up, like, or look, I was like upside down. Cause I had to like, set my ankle and flipped when I fell, kept falling, I hit my back against the wall. And I was like looking upside down, like not on my ankle, but I was like, Oh, I just, I broke my leg. I just broke my ankle. like broke my leg. And I was like, oh, no, it's totally fine. Like I probably sprained my ankle or just like rolled it really bad or something. It can't be that bad. And when I look up my ankle, my whole foot is maybe 
like it's completely out from under my leg and sideways. And I was like, oh yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> and started just like screaming horribly, just like totally losing it. Um, and my partner like, what, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I was like, I, just, I was like, I just broke my fucking leg. Like, get me down. Like, it's really bad. Like, it's really bad. And he's lowering me down and I'm passing him. And he looks at me and he goes, oh yeah, that, that is pretty bad. And I was like, no shit, dude, get me to the ground. And so he takes me to the ground. I'm like trying to untie, but I'm so pumped that I, I can't like untie my knot. So I'm just like laying there waiting for something to happen. And bo eventually Boomer comes around. And the first thing that Boomer said to me is, oh, it's just your ankle. I thought you were actually hurt. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know what that means. But like, I'm actually hurt. He's like, you probably just sprained it. My ankle, my foot's sideways, not under my leg, man. It's, it's really bad. And, um, but yeah, so he's like, I was like, I want to get my climbing shoes off. I don't want them to cut my shoes apart, you know, they're expensive. And so he like grabs, he's like kind of tinkering with it, like trying to get it off. I'm pretty sensitive. I'm like, boomer, just like take it off. And he just grabs it and just like rips it off my leg. And I'm just like screaming. And then all these people obviously show up because I've been screaming now for like a minute and a half. And finally, like, started to calm down. And I'm like, I'm not a couple of I'm just okay now. Like, my leg hurts really bad, but I'm fine. And so all these people show up. We tell the ambulance to leave. We're not that far from the hospital. I don't want to, like, pay an ambulance fee. And uh, we, Boomer and my climbing partner, Scotty, they, like, I just grab their shoulders and we, like, hop out for, like, I don't know, 45 minutes until the trail got good enough where Boomer could carry me. And so he just gave me a piggyback ride and Scotty like made sure like to support me when I needed it and like help me through the harder stuff and then um, carry all the stuff. And while walking with Boomer, like my foot kept catching these like bushes and like twisting and like twisting and it, I mean, it was terrible. And we had like this splint on that was someone had just like had that was just like did absolutely nothing. And we got to the car and I'm like sitting chair and I'm like fully at this point. I'm like, yeah, no, everyone like breaks their leg. Like this is just like, part of the game like everyone gets hurt I'm gonna be fine like I think in like four to six months I'll be back to like crushing no problem and we go to the hospital and Scotty drove me to the hospital and we get there and I go inside and uh, I don't have a pulse in my foot so they're like we don't have an orthopedic surgeon or an orthopedist an orthopedic specialist here but we have to like relocate your foot so you can get your pulse back and I was like okay and they start like they're like all right we're gonna give you this drug that stops you from forming memories but you you'll, you'll be a conscious, but you're not going to form memories. You're not going to remember anything that happens. I was like, yeah, whatever. That sounds great. And so they give me this drug and they start relocating my foot. And then after a little bit, this drug like wears off and when it wears off, you're completely conscious. And so it wears off and I'm like wide awake, right as the doctor grabs my foot, foot and just starts yanking on it. And I just remember like 30 seconds of like the most unfathomable pain I've ever been in. And then I'm back out and then I'm like awake and I have this like big thing on and I'm just laying there and I'm like feeling really good. And they're like, all right, we gave you some like really strong drugs. They gave me like fentanyl and Dilaudid. And so I'm like, oh, I don't feel anything. Like I feel amazing right now. And the nurse comes in. He's like, yeah, it's weird. You like tell me about some dreams. And I was like, okay, yeah. And he's like, yeah. And then like the doctor leaves. And then he's like, yeah. So then you got crazy. They started pulling on your foot and you were like, fuck you, you motherfuckers. I'll kill you. I'll kill everyone in here. He's like, you grabbed the doctor's hair and you were pulling her around by her hair and nurses had to restrain you and pry your fingers out of her hair. And then you just, you took the, 
the heart rate monitor and threw it. And then they put it back on your finger and you put your finger in front of your face and just screamed at it for like a minute. And they finally said you could just take it off and you just like would death clench the bars and they'd have to pry you off of them. And I was like, I don't remember any of that. They're like, yeah, it was like the most entertaining relocate you've ever had. We've ever had. I was like, wow, that sounds really great. Um, but it turns out that I had broken my medial malleolus, which is like the little part, the part that goes in your tibia that goes over your ankle. And then I had broken my fibula. I'd also split them in half. So it's like a syndesmosis. So ten fib went opposite directions and had, they had, um, there's like not in the right spots in your body anymore. My ankle had fully dislocated every joint around my ankle had fully dislocated. And then that's like all we'd really known at this point. And they said that my syndesmosis was so bad that they weren't able to relocate my ankle. So they basically just got a pulse back in my foot, put me in a soft cast and sent me home. And I have like my bones are in the wrong spots and I have a dislocated ankle. And so we drove back to California, uh, like for 15 hours, Scotty just like drove me home. Uh, and then I made a doctor's appointment and offer, I had surgery on Monday. So I went to my checkup and my doctor's like, all right, like this is pretty serious, but you'll have surgery on Monday. So, all right, great. I go in for surgery. And on this point, I'm still under the impression, like my break is really bad, but like everything's fine. You know, like this is just a normal thing that people do. People will get hurt all the time and everyone's just fine from it. And, um, Ashley comes and picks me up and the doctor had called Ashley and said that your injury, although the surgery was a success, the injury is much, much worse than we anticipated. And all Ashley told me was, yeah, surgery went great. So I was like, right on, like you have a appointment in a week to come back in. And I was like, okay. And they're like, they said, just like relax and not do anything. And I was like, that's what I plan on doing anyways. And uh, during that week I was in like unfathomable amounts of pain, like way more pain than I've ever been in my heart rate. Like my resting heart rate would go up to 180 just being in pain. And so I was like trying to take my, nor I was taking Norco and I just like, wouldn't do anything. And I'm just like freaking out, screaming and like, just, yeah, like uncontrolled pain the whole time. I go back to my doctor's appointment and, um, they take my splint off and I'm like telling them that I'm in less pain and like, they don't sound very, they don't look very surprised. And, um, I have these antibiotic strips, these yellow antibiotic strips, like over both my, my scars and, um, or stitches and. The doctor, they did like cut my cast off really aggressively and the doctor comes in and he like starts peeling it off like really slowly, like the slowest I've ever seen anyone do anything. And he just like takes the whole thing off and goes, oh man, oh, this looks really great. We thought we were going to cut your leg off today. And I was like, what do you like, what do you mean? Like, I'm like, like hearts in my stomach. Like I'm going to throw up. And I, he like explains to me that I had like deep loved the inside of my ankle and top of my foot. And so like the flesh and bone had disconnected from my skin. So my skin wasn't connected to anything. And most of the time when this happens, your flesh dies and then they have to amputate whatever limb that is a part of. So my skin still, you know, still there, but just not connected to anything. And he's, he said like, yeah, if I would have been like smoked cigarettes, I would have lost my leg or been an alcoholic or been not in shape or like been older, like any of these things I like, could have like, definitely caused me to like be an amputee and um he goes on to explain like the rest of my injuries that my bones were so broken that they like well, there was bone dust and they're like spaced when they put back in with no land markers so he's like I just put in place that they would go best and that yeah I mean that I'd torn like all my ligaments and like all my connective tissues like all the way around my ankle in every direction and that yeah so 
that I had a really bad injury, that, but I got to keep my leg. So it was, yeah, it's been almost a year, as I said, and I'm just starting to get to the point where I feel like I have learned how to walk again pretty fully. And I started jump roping like two weeks ago and trying to like get some impact going on it again. Well, dude, I'm stoked to hear that you're um, back to jump roping. And, and I saw on your Instagram a couple of days ago that you were doing, I think you did like a four mile hike or something like that. And, and stoked to see that happening. Cause when we were teaching this summer, like obviously you were still kind of limping a little bit. And, but I, I, I mean, you know, the fact that you didn't lose your leg is obviously a huge silver lining to the, to the whole thing. You, you've said it a couple times and it kind of like, it wraps, like, I don't know, it, it rattles my brain when you keep saying like, oh, I mean, this happens to everybody, right? Like, and I was like, where do you get that idea? I don't think this happens to everybody, Johnny. Well, I just figured that like everybody breaks a bone. Like I'd never broken a bone before. So I was like, yeah, everyone breaks a bone at some point in their life. I've got such a friend, they don't break their arm or I don't know, they broke a bone in their leg. They get in a cast, it's fine. That's like what I had imagined. Not like, you know, have, so I have the biggest plate they make for your fibula and I have 12 screws in my fibula and two in my tibia. And um, I wasn't allowed to move after surgery for like three weeks to a month where not like I was had to lay down, but I wasn't allowed to move. Like my doctor's like, if you like were to lift weights, that could be enough to like have your skin die and lose your leg. And I was like, all right. So I just like was completely stationary for like three weeks or a month. So yeah. I didn't realize that like, I just thought everyone just gets hurt, hurt at some point, you know, everyone at some point has been injured. And I was like, yeah, this is just one of those things that you're like, oh, I'm just out for a little bit. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I mean, in, in, in a lot of ways, it's probably good to have that mentality because it probably one, it keeps you positive in just this sense that it's like, oh, this is just like a road bump. You know, I'll, I'll be past this in no time. Um, and then it also gets you like looking into the future of like, okay, well, everybody gets injured. Like, let's go ahead and start talking about recovery and like how I'm going to get better and stuff like that. Like has, what's, what's been kind of like the mental battles, I guess I always call it like, you know, battling with the demons of the mind. Has that been like, uh, have you kind of passed all that now or now that you're like back into like running and jump rope and stuff like that, or, or kind of, do you still deal with that? I would say they continuously get worse for me right now. So like, uh, early on, I was like pretty optimistic. Everything was going to be fine. One year, everything's fine. I'll crush this. And then, you know, after like six months when I was like, I can't walk around a store, it was pretty like mentally hard to be like, that's okay. Like this takes time, you know? And then after what I saw you around like nine months and I like still can't carry my boat, you know, 200 yards and do things that are like really easy for normal people. And I have to worry about like, if I walk, you know, half a mile in a day, like, am I going to be able to walk the next day? And so like, that was getting me like, this has been going on so long. Like, how do I know that I'm going to get better? You know, like I have all these things that I want to do that would have always been challenging for me, even without being injured. Now I'm like, how am I going to be able to do those things again? Now that I'm having an injury, that's never going to be a hundred percent. Uh, like what I used to be, but like, you know, like I know that I can, I keep telling myself like, well, I know that even though that's not possible, then I'll just be in half again, better shape than I ever was. And just kept telling myself like, well, I'll just have to do, I'll just have to be better than I was before then. Like, I'll just have to work out harder or do more exercise or just toughen up my ankle more or just do whatever it takes to make these things happen. And that's kind of what I've been telling myself. And uh, recently I've been feeling 
really motivated, but probably on a, like a turn of being like feeling kind of crushed that like it's been a year and like, you know, I'm just starting to feel like I know how to walk again, which it didn't ever cross my mind. to think like, yeah, learn how to walk. It takes a year, you know, to me in my mind, when I got hurt, it was like, you know, seven months maximum before I could like confidently walk anywhere. And I'm finally getting to the point where I'm like, I can confidently walk anywhere and it's been a year. So I'm not, it's been a struggle for me to like put my goals back and like realize that that's okay, that I haven't like met everything that I hoped to, but that I've actually made a ton of progress. And for how bad my injury was, I'm doing, I think really well. And every time I see my doctor, he, I'm always light years ahead where ahead of where he expected me to be. So it's been uh, another, another thing has just been like a big learning process of like your whole life, especially as like an extreme sports athlete, you're taught, like, you know, when things hurt, you just keep going. Like you're tired, you keep going, you know, your muscles are sore and in pain. You just keep going, just like fight through those things. Like that doesn't matter. Like push yourself to another level. And, and with this, it's been like, it took me a really long time to understand that. Like if my ankle hurts, I have to stop. Like, especially right now, like, you know, I'm getting where I can start to push through a little bit more, but like at the beginning, it was like, I just because I can do something doesn't mean I should. Cause I ended up doing like, I'll go for a walk longer than I knew I should. And then not walk for six days, which was like really challenging not to be able to like get off the couch for six days, especially after I'd like started walking again. So it's been like a learning process to like know where my limits are with my ankle and then like trying to reach them every day and not have them, especially as I keep evolving and getting further away. So, yeah, it's well, kind of like how I've, I've just been trying to be logical and tell myself that no matter what happens at the outcome at the end, like I'm going to be able to do everything I did before and more. I, I, I see the silver lining in the whole experience in the fact that you still have the leg. And, and I hope that you kind of remind yourself of that daily uh, or like anytime that you're in the, in the low points. And then at the same point, like I, I encourage you to try to, even though, you know, the recovery is maybe slower than expected, remind yourself too, that you're going faster than the doctor ever, uh, like thought, or like every time he sees you saying like, Oh, you're, you're healing even better and faster than I thought. So that's obviously a great thing. Um, and at the same point, I mean, 12 months, yes, it's not seven months, but it's also not like, it's not 24 months. Like you're only a couple months off where you're originally were thinking. And so I, I don't know, I, I encourage you to try to stay positive in, in, in the hardest times. And I know it's easier, much easier said for me to say this, you know, miles away from you. And I, I wish I could give you a hug right now, Johnny, but, um, but keep at it, dude. I, I know you're going to be back at it in no time and, and back to crushing and doing rad stuff, even though you're already doing that. But I, I, I know that you're, you're going to be back doing that, the chasing those dreams that you want to do for sure. And honestly, like what, what's been really helping me lately, I think what the problem I was kind of having mentally is that just like coming up on that year mark. But honestly, lately, things have started to progress a lot faster and I have made a lot of milestones. I mean, like I got to race at NFC this year and that was my first time kayaking class five since I've been hurt. And I was like, felt great in my boat and people were able to help me, but I was still able to like walk and do some stuff and go off the ramp and paddle for me at that time. Like I had, I was overwhelmed by like how great I was able to perform after like such adverse, you know, things going up to that event and being in easily the worst shape I've ever been in my life, but and only missing one gate and, you know, making a lot of all the other gates really well and having a great life. And my whole goal is not to get last. And I think I got 25th. So I was like really psyched about that. And just like now, like, yeah, actually, so on Saturday, 
and Sunday, I was able to carry my boat in, in and out of the South Fork Gorge of the American. And so that was the first time I was able to do that two days in a row. And the second day, I actually felt better. Um, That's awesome. So things are definitely progressing. Well, Johnny, I absolutely wish you the best with your recovery and, and everything that you're doing. And, and I love that you're staying positive and, uh, yeah, just keep at it. And I can't wait for us to go run some more, you know, class five and expeditions together. But I, I also don't want to take up, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you got to run to the gym and, and go do your workouts and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to put us onto the second part of the show called the fire round and uh, just fire off a couple quick questions that I ask everybody on this show. Johnny, do you have a favorite quote that you live by? Uh, I do. Yeah. So uh, my favorite quote is from Sterling Haley, but it's from Steve Fisher's black book, black book movie. And it's to be truly challenging in this life that we live should be based on a firm foundation of financial unrest. People fling their lives beneath the wheels of routine in the pursuit of security, but then ask the question of choice. What will it be? Bankruptcy of pocket or bankruptcy of soul? Yeah, that's my, my favorite. I, I love that quote. I love that saying and just the, the thought-provoking just concept behind the whole thing. I, I also love that it's a fairly long quote and you clearly have that memorized. <laughs> I think it was my senior quote in high school too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Johnny, do you, uh, do you have a favorite book or, or a current book that you're reading? Oh man, that's a harder one. Um, I have like two types of books that I really, I've been really enjoying fantasy books lately, um, for like real actual books. I think my favorite book is, uh, touching the void. It's like a mountaineering book. I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. Um, and then I'm also reading a fantasy series called cradle by Will White. That's probably my favorite series. Yeah. Awesome. Both are both are great in different ways. Did you read the Harry Potter series? I have never read the Harry Potter series. What? I mean, that's the. Oh, I, know. I don't know if that's called fantasy or what. That's the only like kind of fantasy series that I ever read back in. I don't know when it first came out. I can't believe you haven't read it, dude. You got to. It's a good read. You should you should read it sometime. I hadn't ever really started reading fantasy until like more recently. So like. I mean, like, I remember back in school, we had to take, like, AR tests, and I would just, like, watch the movie and take the AR test on Harry Potter, and that's, like, the only experience I ever had. Like, I think I had to check out the book from the library to say I had it, but I would awesome. like to go back and read them, because I heard the books are great. They they are actually, like, great books. I think they're, I think it's actually the number one most sold book in the world, or, like, maybe number one most book series, like, sold book series. I'm, anyway, I'm, I'm not certain. Too, yeah. The Bible still might be number one, actually. But, the the like, Bible Harry, might be number one. Harry, Harry Potter, I think, might be number two. Um, if you could go back in time to any time throughout your life, what might be uh, a piece of advice that you'd give yourself? Oh, man. Um, I think my biggest piece of advice would be going back to Johnny pre-fall and say, hold on for a little bit longer. Um, no, I don't, I don't know. I I actively try to live my life in a way that I don't have to do those things. So, I mean, like maybe I'd start kayaking sooner just cause I love it so much, but my kayaking career has been great. And I try to just do the things that I've always wanted to do. So just, I, you know, keep, keep doing the same thing. I don't think there's really a point in my life where I want to go back to that's and like awesome. ch change it. I love that, Johnny. Usually if, if that's your mentality, you're, you're living life in a good way. So keep doing what you're doing. Johnny, if today was your last day 
and everything that you've done, all your expeditions, uh, all your videos, all your photography, all the people that you've touched along the way, everything was to go with you. You couldn't, you couldn't continue sharing that with the world. But what you were left with is a piece of paper and a pen, and you could leave three truths, three things that you believe to be true to share with the world, to share with your friends and family. What might those three truths be? That's a, that's a really, that's a big question for on the spot here, Nick. Um, I would just say like, do what you're passionate about. Um, it's always okay to like try things and fail, but keep trying. And that if you're ever in an unhappy like circumstance in your life where you've been happy having a really long time, like it's okay to like change where you're at and change what you're doing and like do what makes you passionate, no matter what other people think you should do. If you're at a job that you don't like, but you make a lot of money, it's okay to quit the job and do a job that doesn't make a lot of money. Or, you know, if you, whatever, whatever that may be, I think it's okay just to always just like try to be happy in life and surround yourself with people that make you happy. That's amazing. Yeah. It's kind of like run into each other, but yeah, I think that's what I would want to leave behind. I love that Johnny. And just, that no matter what, like, if you really want to do something and you really try hard, like, you can do it. You know, I, I started kayaking as, like, an overweight, like, kid that didn't have very much confidence. And, you know, like, now I'm a professional kayaker that's traveled all over the world. And I never even dreamed of anything like that or never thought anything like that was possible. And a little part of me my whole life has been a show, like, just because, you know, my family didn't have a lot of money and that... I can still do all these things and that anyone can do these things if they really, really try hard enough and have the right people around them and have the right people. I was lucky enough to have obviously a lot of people supporting me and but that I, will, I want everybody to have the opportunity and find that thing they really love. I love that, Johnny. I, I, I think that's an incredible, you know, message and, and just story in itself. And, and I love that. I love hearing, you know, when people kind of fight the odds or, or when they're, whether it's like, you know, physical, environmental, or just like mental in, in your head, do you know what I mean? Um, and, and just trying to push beyond where you're at to, to go to kind of chase that dream. So keep chasing the dream, Johnny. I love what you're doing. I also try to, um, I try to give value as much as I can to all my guests on the show. So is there anything that you're currently focusing on that maybe I might be able to help out with or possibly even my listeners? Oh man. One thing you do help me with regularly that is, uh, like you're always very motivational on your Instagram and you're always working really hard and you're somebody that I can look at to be like, you know, Nick's always out there doing everything you can do. And that's just something I appreciate about you in general. And like, just keep doing that. And like, you love what you do. You've made your life a life that is happy and you're with your family and you're doing what you love every day. And you like continue to do that no matter like, what anyone else says or what anyone else expects of you. And you made this like great life. Just like keep doing that. And I, I think you're, you know, truly inspirational in that fashion and obviously as a kayaker as well, but just your overall life for sure. Awesome. Keep, well, keep doing that for me, Nick. That's great. Thanks. Thanks for that, Johnny. I'm actually, I'm just taking your advice and just doing what I love to do and, and not caring about what other people think so much and just trying to be, be me and do what I want to do. And, honestly have as much fun as I can. I try to remind myself that daily, like do what makes you happy. So yeah, I'm, I'm just living by your advice, Johnny. 
to add to that too, I want to, I want to point out something that I think people don't always think about is that like making it doesn't mean that you're like one of the best or a pro. Like if you like the kayak and then you learn how to, and you kayak cost three on the weekend, like you've made it. If that's what's making you happy, you know, it's not about being a pro kayak or running the hardest rapids. It's about doing what you like. Yeah. And it, that, I mean, you can extrapolate that into anything in life. It doesn't, it's not always about the money. It's not always about the, the, championships or the medals or any of that kind of stuff. It's just about being happy. So I love that, Johnny. For anybody that that wants to follow along your journey and just kind of stay in touch, uh, maybe connect with you some more, what might be the best way for them to reach out? Uh, the best way to get a hold of me is just through my Instagram, which is jchasekayak. Um, I'm pretty good at responding to everyone that ever messages me. So if you have any questions about life or kayaks or anything that I do, I'd be more than happy to, to respond. Yeah, awesome. That's the best place. Well, for everyone out there, uh, definitely go give Johnny a follow on Instagram. I'll throw the link in the bio as well. Um, but yeah, Johnny's just got an amazing story. Super thankful for having you out here. And final question for you, Johnny, what is your definition of awesome? Oh my gosh. My definition of awesome is just being the most stoked person of doing whatever you do, that's the most awesome person to be around. You're stoked that. with your life and everything you're doing. And uh, if I can give a shout out to like Ashley Brown, my girlfriend, for definitely like taking care of me and helping me through this whole thing. And my mom, Wendy Ingle, she's also amazing. So they're like my biggest supporters in the whole world. Uh, and obviously my best friend, Evan. So just want to give them a shout out for everything they've done for me. Awesome. Definitely, definitely worthy to give them a shout out and uh, just keep doing what you're doing, Johnny. Thank you so very much for your time, for this interview, for sharing your, your, your inspiring story and your comedic way of telling the story as well. I, honestly, Johnny, every time we get together, I just laugh so much uh, and you're just such a, an amazing spirit. And, and yeah, you, you brighten my day every time we get to be together. So I think you brighten, you're like a light that brightens the world and just keep doing what you're doing, man. You're an awesome individual. So Thanks, keep Nick. that up for anybody out there that, that also really enjoyed this conversation, Johnny's uh, story, please just share it out that we're just trying to build a collective, a community as a whole. So if you got value out of this, share it out with one person, send it to a friend, send it to a family member. Um, as always, throw it up on your social media if if you're into that. Otherwise, just I ask you guys just to share it with one person. And uh, as always, I wish you all the best. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Nick Troutman signing off, wishing you all an awesome day. Cheers.
you know, I got bit by a rattlesnake at the put into Dinky and decided to kayak the entire run and drive myself to the hospital where I spent three days in the hospital. We had this like weird mixture of like me thinking about that with Eric and then like me and Evan being like, all right, let's go do this crazy thing. We just got our driver's license and we'll run the biggest drop at the highest water anyone's ever done it with absolutely no safety. And I'm just like freaking out. And I like, they're like, you need to calm down. I was like, it's not that simple. Like I can't just calm down. I got bit by a rattlesnake. I'm not freaking out. I got bit by a rattlesnake, you know? When I had a really bad swim when I was maybe I don't know, 17 and I was body circulated for like two, two and a half minutes and thought I was going to die. And that really brought home the let's be safe and smart out here as well. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.